Okay, so we're talking about being like Jesus, right? So we want to be like Jesus, we want to become like Jesus, and then we just want to do what Jesus did, right? That's our journey with a spiritual formation that we've been working on. Um, make sure to spell check your slides if you ever do things like me. Um, so this idea of apprenticeship to Jesus, we talked about how we're changed, right? And it started with prayer. We have changed so much through our prayer life. Whether you pray or don't pray, it will absolutely change your life. We talked about spiritual reading. The one thing that can absolutely change your life along with prayer, but like the one really, really thing, if you want to change every part of who you are on a daily basis, you start reading your Bible every single day. A lot of you participated in our soap. Currently, we don't have soap plan, but I talked to Jess today, and we are totally going to bring back soap next week for the month of November uh, and really dive into uh, more of the different things that God wants to do by us reading our Bibles regularly as a group, going through the same passages and not just kind of each reading in a different place. That's really good, too, but we're all on the same page. It's just really cool that the Holy Spirit, the third thing that we talked about, can move through the group as a whole, right? Um, and then we talked about community and how we can live in a culture of honor, but not if we don't start living in the culture of honor first. We have to start honoring other people and not just expecting them to honor us right off the bat. We need to live and walk out honor on a daily basis, okay? Today, we're going to talk about giving and living for Jesus. You're like, oh, that's exactly what we've been talking about this whole time. It's not. It kind of is. We're happy there. So those past five weeks, we talked about each of those individual ways, but today we're going to dive specifically more into giving, but I'm going to tie it into living a little bit because there's a way that you can give, and when I talk about giving, I'm thinking specifically our time, our finances, if you have a job, if you don't, then you still probably have access to money in some capacity here in the United States. We are very blessed to be able to have things and money and whatnot, right? So you have, uh, you have your time, you have your finances, and um, so many other things that you need to be actively giving back to Jesus, but here's the idea of, of giving and living for Jesus, okay? I want to ask you this question. What are you doing right when it comes to living for Jesus? It's really simple to say, like, oh, I'm praying, right? I've got my spiritual reading down every single day. I'm in my Bible. I'm actually not every single day. I'm working on it, okay, guys? Sometimes I forget. Um, I always read the Bible in some capacity. I don't always do so every day. That's true. Let's say that. Uh, three, I have the Holy Spirit with me. And four, I'm living in community because I'm here on a Wednesday night. I come on a Sunday morning. I'm around other believers living in community, walking that out. I'm doing those things right, but you kind of have to take a step back, right? Because it's really easy to do the right thing um, without living the right way. So think of it this way. If you're doing the right thing um, and living, that's supposed to be an hand sign. Gosh, I tell you what, these PowerPoints are driving me crazy. I need to switch fonts so that it's like just taking things out that I don't put in there. Okay, doing the right thing and living the right way aren't always the same thing, is what I'm going to say. I'm going to tell you a little story, but I'm not going to do it on that one because that spelling error is going to drive me crazy. So here's a little story. Let's go back in time to, um, let's pick an age. Let's do seventh grade poll, okay? So, 7th grade boys, you can identify with me at 7th grade Cole. I started thinking that girls were cute. Do you think that? Logan thinks that. Okay. Just Logan. <laughs> he doesn't know what he answered because he wasn't paying attention. That's okay. 
All right, so I started doing that girls retreat. I started uh, wanting to participate in church more. I wanted to serve. I started really enjoying coming to Wednesday Day, basically just because I wanted to hang out with people. I was uh, homeschooled all through high school, well, until 11th grade. And so all of the years before 7th grade, I guess, I wouldn't have known at the time that I was going to be homeschooled. But all of the years prior to that, I was always homeschooled, so I didn't have a lot of friends. Wednesday nights were how I got out of my house, hung out with people of like mind, that my mom didn't worry about their influence on me, that sort of thing, okay? On those Wednesday nights, I would live for Jesus. And I'll tell you what, guys, I'm not trying to break on myself, but I would have my hands up, I would be reading my Bible, I'd be participating, the pastor would ask a question, and I'd go like, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me, right? But then, on the side, back at home, I was not that kid. I was not the kid that was raising his hands, I was not the kid that wanted to participate in family devos. I was not at all living for Jesus. I was doing the right things, but not living the right way. Does that make sense now? You got it? So what I want to challenge you with tonight is that you can do all the right things, but you have to live the right way in every moment of your life, or strive to in every moment of your life. Okay? Through the Holy Spirit, we know that we don't have to necessarily fix ourselves. We can ask the Holy Spirit to fix us, but it does take action on our part to seek God continually so that we can walk in His freedom. Um... So, let's move into some of our points here tonight. If you've got your notebook, and you should, and your Bible, and you should, you can take some notes on this. Point number one, what does it mean to live like a slave? Oh boy, we just dove into that really fast. Okay? Slavery is really misconstrued from the Bible to today, because um, in more modern days, if you think um, the slave trade in the United States, or even human trafficking as a way of looking at slavery, is not at all really what it was back um, in the Bible. So in, in modern times, you think of a slave, and someone actually like physically owns that person. But if you go back to the Bible, it was more of, uh, how, how would I explain this really well without taking too many words? It was more a, of, like, have you heard of like a caste system? Like in India, they still live by a caste system or all in that culture, right? There were different castes or like levels of people. And so at the, at the very bottom or close to the bottom, there were slaves or people that essentially just worked for other people to make money. They didn't just have land or have wealth. They had to like have a job and work and live in someone else's home and different things like that. But they weren't necessarily abused or treated the way that we might think of slaves in our heads. So I want you to think of slaves as not necessarily such a negative thing, but more of a mindset in the way that we view ourselves in relationship to God. Okay, we're not necessarily a slave to God, but we are a slave to something. So let's look at this verse really quick for a second. Jesus in John 8, 34, he said, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So, what, what exactly does that mean? What Jesus is trying to say is that by being a slave to sin, you're essentially controlled by sin. Like, sin slave, enslaves your mind. So, we talked about um, living by the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit sets us free, right? But, what does He set us free from? Exactly this. He sets us free from the bondage and the slavery to sin. So, right before this, in this passage in John 8, verse 31, it says, 
Um, to the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. So meaning that the Israelite people, the Jewish people, they never were enslaved, or they were freed if they ever were enslaved, and currently weren't enslaved to anyone. We've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? What, what does that even mean? And he says, Jesus says, very truly, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Right? Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So I want to propose this to you. That you can look at it two ways. Because in, in Romans, then, Paul talks about being a slave. And we'll, we'll pull this verse in just a second. But in Romans, Paul talks about being a slave to Jesus. Right? By being, uh, because Jesus set us free, we're essentially indebted to him. We need to live our life for Jesus. And so think of ourselves as slaves to him. That he controls our every being. That he commands us what to do. Not that sin no, sin no longer commands us, but it's that Jesus in us that is commanding us what to do. So going, going backwards, trying to get my points all in order here. What does it mean to live like a slave? This is a, a question that I'm going to answer for you so you don't have to. It's looking at it like this. Nothing that we have and nothing that we are belongs at all to us. Okay, so no, no AirPods, they're not yours, bro. God's just letting you use them for a little while. Yeah. Or like you think of your finances, your home, maybe as a leader you can identify with this more when you think of what we have. But everything that you have, or maybe better for students, you guys, everything that we are belongs not to us, but to Jesus. Does that make sense? Because he created us, because he saved us, because you chose with me to become an apprentice to Jesus, you, you no longer are your own person. I'm sorry. You are still you entirely. God loves every part of you, but he asks that every part of you be laid at his feet, just like Colin was talking. Jesus paid it all, so then all to him I owe. Right? What does that mean? Oh, I'll tell you what it means. Let's talk about giving for a second. So, what does the Bible say about giving? If we're talking strictly in a financial sense, you might have heard of the phrase tithe. Some of you older students maybe have heard of it more. Tithe is a specific Hebrew word that stands for tenth. So in the Old Testament, specifically, well, much more common than the New Testament, um, the Jewish people, um, the Israelites, were required to bring a tithe to the tent of the Lord in place of performance. It, it was a tent. It was considered their first fruit, the very first thing of their harvest. Maybe they were shepherds and their very best lamb. A tent. So if you had a hundred, you would give one. Right? Is that ten? Ten. You give ten. So sorry. That's that's one percent. We're going for ten percent. You had a hundred, you would give ten. That was the tent, right? That's the idea of it. And you would bring that to the Lord and it would be used for the Lord so many different ways that we won't get into tonight, okay? Now, in the, in the early church, it all changed. All of it changed. By early church, I mean, we just read in Romans, right? Romans is specifically written to the early churches, from Paul writing to the churches throughout uh, his jurisdiction, you could say. Uh, he was writing to these churches, and he was saying, he was saying, you have to live generously. You have to live freely given. 
In Matthew 5, 24, it says, Give to the one who begs, and you will be blessed, and the Lord will provide for you. In Proverbs, it actually says it quite a bit talking about generosity. It says, whoever is generous to the poor is repaid by the Lord. So when you think of this 10% just for a second in the idea of tithe, a lot of Christian cultures observe tithe and say that you need to be giving 10% of your finances, you need to be trusting the Lord with at least 10%. And I am not disagreeing with that at all. My bride and I, we have made it our uh, conviction to give 10% of everything that comes into our home financially back to the church or back to a, a church organization that's bringing the gospel or helping different people around the world. And I'm challenging you to at least think that much in your head just for now, okay? But giving is another step beyond that. It's, it's your tithe and your offering. It's your very first fruit. And so if we think about it from the perspective of God the Father just for a second here, uh, with the idea of giving and living generously, right? If we think of it from the perspective of God the Father, how much did he give to you in generosity? How much did he give to you? He gave you everything he had. God had one son, has one son, right? And he was like, you know what? I actually love these people so much, and I don't want to see them die, and I don't want to see them live in sin and shame and torment for the rest of their lives, that I'm going to give everything I have, my very first fruits, my very best, my firstborn, one and only son, so that they can live freely. God is our example of living and giving generously. The parts about that I just mentioned about giving to the poor, about supporting those in need, the early church supporting each other, that is important too because that's us practicing that generosity back, Right? It's important. Everyone says, oh, it's better to give than to receive. And Christmas is coming, and I guarantee you, you are thinking of receiving and not giving because that's what I'm thinking about. They're like, oh, I need some Nikes. No, okay. Maybe I'll get some AirPods. Just kidding, that was last year. You get excited to receive. It's cool. You like to get things. You like new things. You like to open the packages. But when it comes to living your life, living generously is huge. And I've watched some of you do this on Wednesday night. And I don't know if you're thinking this way, but sometimes someone will be coming up to you and they say, I don't have a dollar, I really want to drink. And you're just like, oh yeah, no problem, you just don't work. Live generously. Not because you expect God to repay you but because you have everything given to you. Why not give a little bit back to somebody else? Literally a dollar, guys. It's no big deal. I want to tell you a story really quick about living generously. Okay? So living generosity, we need to start thinking about, Colin, I'm so ready for that other Eastern. That would be on the thing. Stop thinking how little and start thinking how much. Okay, so there's a church not very far from us, located in North Minneapolis in a city called St. Anthony, small city. It's called Everyday Church. Uh, you probably don't know about it, okay? But... Jessica and myself used to go back there back in the day. I actually went there even before I knew Jessica. Um, really, really cool church. They just preach Jesus. The Holy Spirit shows up. We worship Him. We build community. We go out and share Jesus with different people. They talk about everyday churches. They want to be everyday believers. We want to be living and preaching Jesus in every aspect of our lives every day. Okay? Here's what they did. This last Sunday, they do three services on a Sunday night. They start at 3 o'clock. 3 p.m. they do the first service, 5 p.m. they do the second one, 7 p.m. they do the last one. They are bursting at the scenes, they just have a lot of people that want to go to their church. 
uh, the 3 p.m. service starts, and the Holy Spirit says to the pastor, he says, yo, we're going to change everything tonight. I don't want to do what you prepared. I don't want to sing those songs. We're going to change everything tonight. So he goes, well, wait a second. This is kind of a big deal, God. Like, maybe I need some counsel on this. So he says, Jessica, come on. No, not actually. But he says that to his wife, come up here, and they, they co-pastor this church. So, and she comes out, and she's like, oh, that's crazy. Maybe you pull some more lines on this. This is a big deal. So we go like, Oh, Brady, come up here. We gotta talk about this. This is a big deal. Okay. So they pull in some other people that have some authority in the church, some different overseers, elders, whatever. And all of a sudden, they wheel a whiteboard into the church that goes right there in front of everybody. And they say, "If you have debt in the room, come up and write your name and how much you owe. Credit card debt, student loans, whatever. The only thing they didn't include was housing because of the way our economy." And they said they wanted to build a building. They want a building for their church, but they just, the Holy Spirit hasn't released them to have a building yet. They just been renting from this other place, okay? Uh, so everybody comes out, starts writing. I'm sure the first person's like, oh, I don't want to do that. That's a lot of money. Right? If I was going to write it up there, I wouldn't tell you much okay? <laughs> but the idea is, right, that everyone who had that in the building and felt like they didn't have the money to pay it off or like they were just in a tough financial spot or just paycheck to paycheck, whatever it takes, okay? They came up to the front, $700,000 was on the board. Guys, you realize how much money that is? Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's like as much money as people retire with nowadays, right? People say you gotta get a million or whatever before you can retire, but people retire with less than $700,000. They like stop working for the rest of their lives. Okay, that's a lot of money. And following this, they said, oh, do you guys understand how much money that is? Do I need to explain it more? It's a house. If you make minimum wage, like $35,000 a year, how many years does it take you to get to $700,000? Somebody need to come to please, because I'm not. 21 years. But after taxes, you make like $25,000. Then how long? Yeah. 25 times 4 is 100 times 7. So 4 times 7 is 28. Right? You guys do it right, Jessica? Almost cool. <laughs> 28 years that it takes. That's if you don't spend any of it. 20 years for one person to make $700,000 without spending any money. So you live in your parents' basement, don't spend any money on gas, don't eat any of their food, or you only eat their food. Then, after 20 years, you can pay down $700,000. Assuming that the value of the dollar doesn't go down, then you don't use your debt. I like economics a lot, okay? Don't mind. It's a lot of money that you'd never be able to pay off, okay? It would just be looming over your head until you die and then your family has to worry about it, okay? So, here's the idea. The pastor said, all right, now next, I'm asking people in the room that have extra money to come up to the front and write their name next to the one they want to cover. Guys, how much money do you think that got put up on the board that night? Oh, not $20. This is money that literally is going to go to that person this week. This happened on Sunday. Not even close to that. It wasn't actually the full amount. $430,000 of that debt was removed in one night. They sent out an email and they said, by Sunday, we fully believe that the Holy Spirit is going to fill that number to the fullest extent. And I absolutely agree. Because people weren't dead or whatever. You know, they had kids and their kids programming, they, they had to bring the kids into the service. They all just kind of sat around because they were there from 3 p.m. until 10 p.m. that night. You guys want to hang out until 10? Yes. 
That's only at two and a half hours. You have to do like another five and a half to match how long they were at church. Why do I tell you this? Because God wants us to live and care generously because it transforms who we are and what we are capable to do of doing. Okay? Don't look at the story and be like, oh, I don't fully understand that. And I'm not asking you to come up here and write your latte and order on the screen like someone can give you seven bucks so you can go get a coffee because you don't fully understand what that is yet. But the idea is this, that when we come together and we live generously, we give generously, God multiplies that number times a million, 10x, whatever you want to say, okay? Tell you another story about giving really quick. And then I'll tell you why I'm telling you the story, okay? We went to NYC. I'm going to set this up really quick, but we're going to go into it a little bit more in a second, so don't worry, Taylor, you can stay seated. We went to NYC Minnesota Youth Convention. Okay, day number two for our afternoon session, they brought a missionary out. They do this every year. It's probably not a big deal for them, but for us, it was a big deal because we never been there before. Okay, there's this organization called Venture. We're gonna watch a video from them in just a second and challenge you guys with a cool opportunity. He came up. He shares a story about how they saved this girl. She's in the video, so I'm not gonna go too in depth. Maybe after it, but how they saved this girl and. And she has since like just done some crazy things. Okay, she's just she's winning people for Jesus. Over 300 members of her family now believe in Jesus. Um, she is actively influencing the government in the Nepali area where she comes from. And she's actually the first person. So we talked about classes a second ago, being a slave. She was a slave, but she was actually more of a slave than anyone else. She was such a slave that in Nepal, where she comes from. She wasn't considered a citizen. They didn't ever record her birth. She didn't exist to them. So much so that, like, in, in that caste system that they live in, see my shadow here? If I was her, and you walked through my shadow, you were dirty. Unclean. Go home. Take a shower. Get, get me off of you, because it's that bad. Okay, it's hard for us to wrap our brains around that, especially if you're a sixth grader or Honestly, I feel like it's going to be right around it, but so far now, so worthless to their people that she didn't exist, essentially. She was never this person. But through Jesus and through the things that she's accomplished through Jesus, she's the first of her people group, the first of this lowest caste system to ever be in a poly citizen. And it was only possible by the youth groups, the youth groups in Minnesota and surrounding states, but Minnesota specifically by giving to this organization. For eight years, they've been giving to specifically to venture, specifically impacting Nepal. Super cool. So that day, we had 14 students with us. Out of those 14 students, they had an opportunity to give to this cause. They gave $400. 14 students. That's a lot of money for students. Especially because we didn't tell them that they were going to do this at the conference, okay? But, what's better yet, the whole conference gave $55,000. 3,700 students, $55,000. You know how much money that is? It's more than $25,000, which is how much you gave working at Starbucks. Maybe not. Maybe the wages are better now. Guys, they're just numbers on the screen. Okay? I'm not trying to get you caught up in all these numbers and stuff. But the idea is living and giving generously. So setting this up for you tonight, we're going to have an opportunity for you to live and give generously, okay? But first, why are we talking about living and giving generously? I have no idea what time it is later, so I'm going to do my rest. I'm sorry. I just, like, got in my head. 
Chasing Jesus in your private life will prepare you to step into a public ministry, an opportunity to serve, live, and give generously. So by doing your prayer, by reading your Bible, by living in community and trusting the Holy Spirit to change you, you have the opportunity to live, give, and serve generously. You have the opportunity to, what did we talk about last week, change the world. You can change the world by doing just one thing, just chasing Jesus, just living and giving generously. In Romans 8, 12 to 17, you guys should have read this in your self reading. Paul writes, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have no and we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh, it is not to sin, it is not to who we were created before Jesus, right? If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, all the crap, all the sin, all the things in your life that you don't like. You will live. For those of you who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That's me and you guys. I'm hoping you're chasing Jesus too. So if you're led by the Spirit, you are children of God. We are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought you about your adoption to sonship. So it doesn't make you a slave so that you live in fear. Like you live in fear and sin where you're afraid of the dark, you're afraid of Satan, you're afraid of like bad stuff. No, now we have the confidence of Christ because we live as a slave in adoption. We live as a son of God. By him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirits. So God's Spirit testifies with our spirit in us that we are God's children. If we are children, then we are heirs. If we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. I don't know if I'm talking to all guys, but God is like right in front of you. And if you just reach out and grab it, if you reach out and walk with Him, you will have an opportunity to live and give generously. Because filling in private prepares us to step into a public ministry. And when I say ministry, don't think you have to be on the stage. Just like last week, you don't have to be on the stage. You just have the opportunity to serve, live, and give in community. This is community. You can help your people in community. We can help people globally. The Thanksgiving outreach is an opportunity literally in our community to just give, to just live generosity. We don't even have to do anything, y'all. I'm not asking you to give any money to take these Thanksgiving meals. We literally have people at the church that are sponsoring all of the meals. All we have to do is go to the living room. We get to do the fun part. We are designed to do just this. Okay. So uh, let's watch that video really quick. Can you watch the video? Our friend and her husband were here at our house. 
and they would often come to visit. The husband told my sister that he wanted to take her to visit our mother's birthplace in Mangai. Instead, he took her in a tractor, where he drugged her to make her unconscious. He sold her for $30. And we won't go like 
You got to have two. Everyone's got to have two. If you don't have one, say so. Alright, so I want you to put your hand on both of them. And I do not want you to feel pressured in any way. Guys, you can watch an emotional video and hear an emotional story. If this doesn't resonate with you, you're not there. If you don't know if you're ready to live in your generosity, that's okay. There's no shame whatsoever. Put the amount at a zero. But fill out a card. I want everybody to fill out a card. And if you put that amount at zero, like, no one's going to know. I'm not going to tell anybody to promise. I will not. And it's totally okay. But I want to challenge you to think outside the box. Don't say like, oh, I make $100 a week, three weeks, I can give 10% of that, so 30 bucks. That's cool, you can. That's actually really awesome if you do do that. But challenge yourself, like maybe I can give 10%, but then how much can I go raise? How much can I go like, say, hey, my youth group's trying to, to bring the gospel to a remote place and we really want you to partner with us, like, will you do that? It's just an opportunity. It's just an opportunity to live out what we've been talking about. Just an opportunity to bring the gospel somewhere. We get to do it locally on the sand that we do this. So what we're going to do is I'm going to give you just a moment, and you're going to fill out that number. Maybe you've already done it. That's cool if you did. But I'll give you like 30 seconds. You're going to fill out that number, and at the end of 30 seconds, you're going to come and set it up here. And then just by myself, we're going to tally all those numbers, and we're going to tell you next Wednesday how much you pledge to give. How much you pledge to raise, however you're going to do it, okay? And then, on November 16th, the same night that we get to go out and do, like, local missions and, like, pray for people and deliver these meals and make an impact on our local community, we're going to tell you how much money you raise and you're going to bring all of those funds on that night, November 16th, that you pledge. You're going to hang on to it until November 16th. It's three Wednesdays from now. All right, so I'll give you just, like, 30 seconds to... Write that down. Maybe you already did. You probably did. But ask the Holy Spirit, how does He want you to partner with this? And if you absolutely need to, because you want to talk to the leader about it or whatever, you can fill it out in smarter. Just make sure you don't leave without putting it in. There's two of them. So I want you to keep on with you to remind you, put it on your, your whatever you want to put it, you can take a picture of it, put it in your screensaver, or you can set up your dresser or your mirror, whatever you look at every day, okay? To remind you, and the other one is to turn it into this bucket up here, so if you filled it out, you can come in and just set it in this bucket, just so we have them all.
You can do that. You can have that impact when you live and give generously. So, I thank you for giving me your attention and the opportunity to share this with you and for really trusting that your every penny or whatever you put in that that blank space, that it actually does make a difference. And as you go to smaller, just keep asking the God, I'm asking God, how can I how can I live and give generously more? How can I keep pursuing Jesus through this? How can you use opportunities when you're maybe asking for funds from parents, family members, whatever, to help support you in this and raise that money? How can you share Jesus with them when you do that? All right, let me pray really quick. Father God, I thank you so much for the generosity of these students and the opportunity that you're placing on our hearts to support this organization, these people. We just ask Jesus that you would be so present in this place, God, that you would fill our hearts with generosity, that we would learn to live and give generously and chase after you, Jesus. We love you.